welcome 2017. Yeah, I am. Hey, so I heard that um, chocolate is really bad for dogs. Is that true? Is that a true thing? So like so bad that if they eat a little bit, they can get sick. If they eat a lot, like it could kill them, right? So I was sitting on my couch. My parents are here this week, and they brought their dog, Butch, right? Which um, different members of my family feel differently about um, having a dog in the house. Like this morning, I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to get stuff, something done, and I'm barefoot. I'm usually never barefoot in my house. And this dog, for some reason, my feet just all of a sudden loved my feet. And I'm like, Butch, you about to get a backhand. Like, stop stop licking my feet. I don't know what is fetish with my feet, and maybe it stinks. They stunk, right? I mean, that dogs like things that stink. And so, anyway, I'm sitting on my couch the other day, eating a piece of uh, Costco chocolate cake. And raise your hand if you've had ch- Costco chocolate cake. Okay, so, <laughs> okay, now raise your hand if you're a chocolate lover. All right, y'all need to have some Costco chocolate cake. All right? So I'm sitting there, and Butch is like, just like, like, if I give him the opportunity, like, I have to eat it, like, right here. If I give him the opportunity, he is pouncing on that piece of chocolate. And I, I keep telling him over and over again, he's in, intently staring at every single bite. And I'm like, Butch, this is going to make you really sick. Like, if you eat this, it's going to make you really sick. And so but he just, he doesn't understand that, right? Because dogs don't understand English. But, so he's just staring at me. And I'm, like, trying to explain this to this dog. Butch, no, I'm, I don't think you understand. If you eat this, this is going to kill you. And if you've ever had this, I mean, this is, like, very chocolatey. Costco chocolate cake is on kill dog level chocolate, okay? So, anyway, this, he just, he wants this thing, and I'm telling him, no matter what I tell him, it doesn't matter. I could warn him about chocolate cake going to kill him all day long, and he wants it. Well, Romans 7 7 says this, what shall we say then? Is, it law, is, is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would have not known what sin was had it not been for the law. For if I would not have known, for I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said you shall not covet. And then a few verses later, in verse 15, Paul says this, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do for I do. What I, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Like, isn't that exactly how we are? I mean, just like Butch, when somebody tells me something that I can't have, what do I want? I want that thing. Like, and if somebody tells me that that action is going to hurt you, like on a physical level, a little part of me wants to do it. Like a little part of me wants to jump off that cliff and see what happens when I hit the water, right? A little part of me, no matter how much somebody tells me that that's destructive to me, a small part of me wants to do it. Because I think that we all have this like desire and this need to be a part of things that are significant in our everyday life, but sometimes we go after things that are harmful to us, right? I fear that most of us keep going back to the same things over and over and over again, trying to find significance and fulfillment in things that will never actually fulfill us, but in, in the fact that they look good to us, 
on earth, as soon as we partake, they might be good for a moment, but what they're actually doing to us inside is leading us further and further away from God and from what he actually has in our life. Jesus said this, the thief, that's Satan, comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. You remember on Christmas Eve, we asked ourselves this question, what am I chasing? What am I chasing for fulfillment that is earthly? But we know that anything that is earthly only fulfills for a moment and that it will eventually fail. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result each time, right? I mean, imagine that, like doing the same thing over and over again, a dog eating chocolate, right? Every time you're going to get sick. Stop eating the chocolate. I identify with that. The same actions in my life that cause hurt and pain before, guess what? They're going to cause hurt and pain now. The things that I pursued last year that caused hurt and pain, guess what? Those same things are going to cause hurt and pain and destruction to my life and not lead me closer to Jesus in 2017 than they did in 2016. But somehow, we want to keep going back to the same things over and over and over again. So as we look to a new year and the things in our lives, like raise your hand if you've already made a New Year's resolution in this room. If you've already made a New Year's resolution. Okay, some of you. Raise your hand if you have not. Okay, good. You're shapeable. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got you right where you want me. Uh, right where I want you. <clears throat> the truth is that right now as you sit in this room, God has amazing plans for you. The, another truth is that God, right now, as transcendent as he is, as outside of this world as he is, is also clo so close to you that he is thinking good thoughts about you. Like, maybe you did not have a great relationship with your father on earth, right? But God is exactly the opposite. God is a good father. That's why we sing that song. God is a good father. And no matter how much you screw up your life, no matter how much I screw up my life, God continually still thinks good thoughts about you. Isn't that amazing? There's nothing that you could do. There's nothing that you have done in your life or will do in your life that could make God think any less of you. He loves you that much. I feel like I need to say it over and over and over again because most of us don't live everyday life like we actually believe we have a loving heavenly father. But he does want to accomplish something great through you in line with his mission on earth. And he wants you to know that that pursuit is the only pursuit in this life that will give you the absolute most abundance in life that you can find. Right? And my prayer for us, my prayer for every person in this room from the adults to the kids is that our hearts would seek to be lined up with God's heart, and then we're not chasing selfish desires anymore, but when my selfish desires are the desires of God, then I begin to find more joy in my everyday pursuit of what God wants 
for my life. So I want to get really practical with you this morning just really quick and take a, a bird's eye look at Old Testament prophet Nehemiah. So we're going to look at the backstory a little bit as we bounce around from, from uh, verse to verse. Don't worry about looking it up in your Bible. You can just look at it on the screen. But a little backstory to Nehemiah. Okay, the book of Nehemiah takes place in a time when the nation of Israel had gone after other pursuits rather than God. They had chosen to follow other man-made religions rather than to seek to actually be who God said they were, which was God's people. So God allowed punishment on the nation of Israel to be carried out through the Assyrians and the Babylonians. In 722 B.C., the Assyrians uh, successfully scattered the ten northern tribes of Israel all over the known world. And then seven, several centuries later, the Babylonians came, laid, laid siege, and nearly depopulated the city of Jerusalem altogether because of, here's the deal, because of Judah's unfaithfulness to its covenant with God. Not you, Judah, but I just want to make sure you know that. This, the, the, the nation of Judah, okay? Um, because of their unfaithfulness to its covenant with God, and after, after which God used 70 years of captivity in Babylon to discipline his people. But understand this. This is like the discipline of a loving father to a child. I think about my own kids, and hey, do I discipline you guys? Yes. <laughs> but I discipline them, and no matter how much they have a hard time believing this, because I'm going to say this, and they're afterward going to be like, Dad, you were wrong. You don't love me, right? No matter how much they think I love them in the moment when I am disciplining them, I am disciplining them because I love them, right? And I so desperately want them to learn how to follow God in this world. I want so desperately to, you ever find it interesting that you don't have to teach your kids how to do wrong? You have to teach your kids how to do right because that's not our nature. Our nature is not to just be right all the time. So some of us think we are, but it's not just to be right all the time. Our nature is to do wrong all the time, right? But we love our kids, so we discipline our kids. That's what God does to his children because he loves them. And then during that Jewish captivity in Babylon, world leadership changed from the Babylonian Empire to the Persians after the Persians Persians had defeated the Babylonians. So at the time that Nehemiah comes on the scene, the Persian Empire dominated the Eastern world. Okay, You need to know that because one of the greatest threats to the Persian Empire's reign would have become the Jews rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. If that happened, that was the greatest threat to the empire of Persia. So, Nehemiah had to be very specifically and perfectly placed by God to accomplish this very specific assignment. So if you're writing anything down, here's what I want you to write down. And I have been told this phrase by so many different mentors in my life, speaking into different occasions in my life at different times. So I want you to remember this one phrase. What God calls you to, he will equip you for. Anybody ever heard that before? What God calls you to, he will equip you for. And for me... (laughs) The hardest moment to believe that is when I'm about to jump off the cliff to accomplish what he wants me to accomplish, right? I'm scared to death, but I have to remember, no matter how uncertain the future is, no matter how uncertain 2017 is for you sitting in this room right now, what God calls you to in 2017, I promise he will equip you for. 
What God calls you to, he will equip you for. No matter how crazy the assignment seems or far out there, if it is clear that God has given you that assignment, then he will fully equip you to be successful in that assignment. So there will be seasons of doubt, seasons of discomfort. But these things are only a part of your life so that through them, God can teach you greater faith. So that God can say, okay, get up. Trust me, I got this. Get up, trust me, I got this. Get up, trust me, I got this. What God calls you to, he will equip you for. So three things real quick from Nehemiah. You you mind if I get really practical with you for a moment? Because I hope, I mean, these things have been very helpful for me. And as we look forward to what's going on in the new year, as we make our New Year's resolutions, my challenge to you is to make that resolution about what God might want you to do, not just what you want to do. Because if our hearts are seeking to be aligned with God's heart, then that pursuit and only that pursuit will give us the most satisfaction in this life. It will bring God glory ultimately And it will give us joy, it will give us satisfaction far more than any selfish pursuit. So make, this year, make your selfish pursuit God's selfish pursuit for you. You get what I'm saying? Seek to to align those things. So, three questions that will be helpful to ask yourself to figure out what God wants you to do. And I don't know if his specific assignment for you or the thing he has for you to do, what I, this is the one thing I do know for every person in the room, that God's desire for you in 2017 is to follow him with your entire heart, is to pursue him, to pursue him, to pursue him, to pursue him. But most of you hear that and you're like, I'm not satisfied with that answer. I want to know what God wants me to do. Right? To just fall into the, to the kind of like every day, I'm a part of the church, I do my Christianity thing. That is a calling above all other callings on this planet. But I also believe that God has something, he has gifted you with natural talents and spiritual gifts to accomplish something in his kingdom. So three questions to ask. First question, what am I passionate about? Okay, what am I passionate about? Number two, what am I talented at? And number three, what breaks my heart? Okay, after I'm all done with this, if you want to go deeper into these questions and like kind of have some help shaping this in you for the new year, check out the book Visioneering. It's the engineering of a vision. It's by Andy Stanley. So check out Visioneering by Andy Stanley. But number one, what am I passionate about? Nehemiah 1, 1 through 3. Let's read this. Nehemiah 1, 1 through 3. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in, the Susa, in Susa, the citadel, that Han and I, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who, who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. What am I passionate about? Nehemiah was passionate about his people. Nehemiah sought out to ask specifically a question about how they were doing and about Jerusalem. So here's a deeper question that you get to ask yourself to, to consider to, how to figure out what am I passionate about. Ask yourself this, 
What do I find myself wondering about constantly? What do I find myself um, constantly wanting information about what is on my mind all the time? What occupies your brain space? What keeps you up at night staring at the ceiling thinking about it? What are you passionate about? What you're passionate about will consume your mind, right? Nehemiah asked because he had a genuine passion in his heart for people. Number one, what am I passionate about? Number two, what am I talented at? If you read this, I'm not going to read it because it would take forever. But Nehemiah chapter 2 all the way through chapter 6 accounts Nehemiah's ability to administrate and communicate to people, right? He had years of coming up through the Persian ranks in the kingdom to hone these skills. Because at the end of Nehemiah 1, it says this. It tells us what his occupation was in, uh, in the Persian Empire. And it says this, now I was cupbearer to the king. Here's the deal. You don't just become cupbearer to the king without the king knowing you and trusting you. You had to earn that position of trust. The cupbearer daily put his life at risk for the king's life. So this is what would happen. If a drink was brought to the king, the cupbearer would test that drink first. If the cupbearer got sick or died, the king would know, I don't drink that, right? Not a very glamorous job, but to have that job, you had to spend a lot of time in the king's presence, and you were often a trusted confidant of the king. The king had to. The king had to trust you with his life. Nehemiah had spent years working his way up through the ranks of trust in the king's administration to be placed specifically by God in that very position to be able to then go and request of the king that the king not only allows him to leave his assignment as cupbearer, but to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And then Nehemiah, because he was a trusted confidant of the king, he was then bold enough to ask for God's help to find favor with the king to, to go build what would have become one of the biggest threats to the Persian Empire. You see how this works out? You see how perfectly placed he was to accomplish what God wanted him to accomplish? Like he went and asked the king that letters be sent ahead of him. He asked to use wood from the forest, the, the, the royal forest, right? And the king said, yes. That's only God. You get that? That's only God. Right? What am I talented at? Here's some questions to ask yourself to, to, find, to, to figure that out. And to give yourself a little comfort about your, your current situation in life. Like, what am I doing in everyday life? Or what skill am I perfecting now to place me in a position to be used for God's kingdom later? Like, no matter how mundane your everyday may feel, you go to work... You do this, you go home, you do this, you da 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 You ask yourself, God, what are you teaching me in what you have me doing every single day to position me perfectly to accomplish what I'm passionate about, right? And not only what I'm passionate about, but what God has given me as an assignment to do. Nehemiah had to wait years patiently and faithfully serving a foreign king, honing in on who God made him to be and what God had given him to do. And in the end, it paid off in a really abundant kind of way. And number three, what breaks my heart? Two verses here, Nehemiah 1, verse 3 and 4. In verse 3, Nehemiah is told, and they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exiles in great trouble and shame. 
The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Verse four, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. It broke his heart. Nehemiah came to the point where he understood God has placed me in a very specific position to be able to use the talents he has built in me, right? And this breaks my heart. Nehemiah was no longer concerned with, uh, he, he was not happy with what was and he saw what could be. And he knew in his heart, I gotta do something. I got to do something, right? And so my desire for us this year is that we desire that our New Year's resolution becomes God's New Year's resolution for us. What are you passionate about? What are you talented at? And what breaks your heart? Whatever God calls you to, he will equip you for. So make your New Year's resolution kingdom-centered and God-centered, right? We're going to have a moment now where we're just going to continue worshiping together and we're going to take communion. And I really want that these New Year's resolutions, as you start thinking about this, it all starts here. Because without Jesus dying on the cross and giving us salvation, like it doesn't really matter. Right? We're all still in our sin, on our way to hell. But because Jesus did this for us, we are now on our way to heaven in our eternal home. And that makes me really want to find out what God has for me here on earth, right? It really does. Knowing that I'm going to be with Jesus and see him face to face someday really makes me want to ask him, God, what do you want me to do on this earth for your kingdom? So I'm going to pray for us, and you're going to stay in your seats today, and, and the communion is going to be passed, and right after that, our offering is going to be passed. And I, we just want you to stay uh, in your seats and contemplate these things, and it starts with the cross of Jesus. And you know that through the cross of Jesus, God will and can empower you because you're, you're covered by the blood of Christ, and your sin no longer holds you back, right? Your sin no longer holds you back. There is nothing more powerful than the cross of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray for you, and the band is going to come back up, and we're just going to have a few moments where you get to start thinking about these things. Let's pray together. God, I, I just pray over every soul in this room. God, I pray that this year we would truly desire to make our pursuits the pursuits that you have for us. God, that any pursuit that is earthly is, is never going to fulfill us like it should or like you can. Father, we, we desperately need you. I pray, God, that you would just set people free from whatever holds them back this morning. Help us to get clarity in the answers to these questions. God, we, we need you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just sit for a moment in silence as you begin to consider these things and what Jesus has done for us. spread out a little bit okay one of my favorite things to do is what Marco dance that's right one of my favorite things to do is dance so we're gonna start off today with doing a little fun dance it's called chili chili okay so can you follow me after me repeat after me say hands up, hands up. say hands down. hands down nice thank you repeat after me hands up 
hands down. Touch the ground. Turn around. All right, I'm going to sing a little song. I'm going to say chili chili, okay? And when I say boomerang, I'm going to call out either guys or I'm going to call out girls. Okay, so you got to listen carefully. So when I say guys, keep with your feet on the tape, you got to show me your best dance. Okay? When I say girls, you got to show me your best dance. Now some of you know the song, so I want you to sing it nice and loudly, but with me. I'm the leader, boys. I'm the leader. Okay? Got it? All right, here we go. Here we go. Hands up. Chili, chili. Chili, chili, chili. Hands down. Chili, chili. Chili, chili, chili. Touch the ground. Chili, chili. Chili, chili, chili. Turn around. Chili, chili. Chili, chili, chili. Now, come on, guys. Don't be afraid. Show me how you boomerang, a boomerang, chili, 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 boomerang, chili, 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 chili. Hands up, chili, 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 hands down, chili, 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 touch the ground, chili, 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 turn around, chili, 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 chili. Now come on, girls, don't be afraid. Show me how you boomerang, a boomerang, chili, 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 boomerang, chili, 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 chili. One more time. Hands up, chili, 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 chili. Hands down, chili, 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 chili. Touch the ground, chili, 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 chili. Turn around, chili, 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 chili. Now come on, church, don't be afraid. Show me how you boomerang, a boomerang, chili, 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 boomerang, chili, 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 chili. Good job. Give them a hand. Okay, take a seat. Take a seat. Right here at the tape. Right here at the tape. You know, they say the kids that are the craziest and, well, just crazy are the world changers. So I love that. I love that. We got some world changers up here. So one of my favorite things to do is what? Dance. I love to dance. Dancing is my favorite, so don't forget that, okay? You know what I got for Christmas? I got this cool thing. It says, Jesus knows me. This I love. Jesus knows me. This I love. My mother-in-law gave it to me. Isn't that special? Doesn't it feel good to be known? I mean, think about it. It doesn't feel good to be forgotten, does it? Like if someone forgets your name or they forget your birthday or if they had a promise for you and they forgot it. Can I tell you a story? So, I'm a mom. I have four children and let's just be honest, I forget a lot of things, okay? So, one time I get a text from my friend Nicole and she has a son. Her name, his name is Will and he's actually Micaiah's friend. And she says, Heather, I'm really behind on my birthday invites. Will's birthday party is Saturday. I'm just texting you to let you know. I actually sent invites in the mail. You'll probably get it tomorrow. Okay, sure. We'll plan on it. We got nothing going on. Saturday's the party, right? Sure enough, next day in the mail, we get an invite to Will's party on Saturday. Friday comes. Saturday comes. Saturday morning, we have soccer. And after soccer, we come home. And you know what we did? Nothing. It was wonderful. We had so much things not to do, we actually watched a movie during the day. It was awesome. 
We were watching a movie during the day. We are doing nothing. In fact, my kids, they're playing with their friends. They're going across the street to play with their friends on the other side of the street. It was wonderful. But now here's the thing I didn't tell you. Will, you know, our friend whose birthday party was Saturday afternoon, just happens to be our neighbor too. Okay? So we're home all day, and at one point in the day, I go outside to get the mail. And I look over at Will's house, and I think, something's going on there today. They got everybody there. And no nothing. I don't remember the party. Nothing. The day goes on. Night comes. The next morning, Micaiah comes downstairs. He says, Mom. I said, what? He said, we forgot. What did we forget? We forgot about Will's party. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, that's why everybody was over there yesterday. Can you imagine how rude they probably thought I was? Well, look at her. She said she was coming and didn't. I totally forgot. Totally forgot. Doesn't feel good to forget things, does it? Well, you know what? It feels good when people remember you, right? I have a friend, Alex and Evan. And you know what they do all the time? Alex and Evan, can you just wave? Say hi. Where are you? Hi. Okay, so Alex and Evan, they are my friends. Um, we're on the soccer team together. You know what they do every time they see me? They say this. They say, hi, Coach Heather. I love that. Do you know why I like that? Because they see me. They recognize me. There's all these people around. And they call me out. And then they call me out by name. So they see me. They like me enough to say hi. I mean, that feels good, right? They know my name, but they also know who I am because they call me Coach Heather. It feels good to be known. You feel happy, you feel special, you feel loved. Well, just like these guys know me, God knows me. Remember we said Jesus knows me, this I love. And how do I know that God knows me? Because the Bible tells me. And we know what the Bible is, right? It's God's letter for us. And I believe that the Bible is true. And the Bible is right. That's right. The Bible is and the Bible is right. That's right. And so if the Bible says that God knows me, it must be true. Right? Okay, where does it say that? Well, let's check it out. Psalm 119 says this. You know me. So the person writing says, you, God, know me. And it says, God, you know when I stand up and when I sit down. And probably when we shake our booty, too. He probably knows that, too. He also knows what we're thinking. And it says, you know a word that's on my tongue before I do. What else does he know about us? Well, it says that he created us. He created us when we were still in our mom's tummy. That means he knew us before our mom or dad knew us. He knows a lot, doesn't he? And then it says that I and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And it says, God all your works are wonderful. And so if it says that he knit us together in his womb, that means we're a part of his work, right? And if his works are wonderful, what does that make me? What does that make you? Wonderful. It does. So he knows us, right? Say, God knows me. Okay. He also loves me. Say, God loves me. 
So God knows us. He knows everything we do, everything we say, everything we think, and he has good thoughts about us. Like Nick was saying, he thinks good thoughts about you, and he likes you. He likes you, and he loves you so much that he sent Jesus, the Bible says he sent Jesus, yep, to die for us, to live again, so that the Bible says if you believe in Jesus, that he died and rose again, you can be with God forever. You can know God. You can love God. God wants that. Why does God want that from us? Because he knows us and he loves us and he wants us to be with him. Say, Jesus knows me. This I love. Jesus loves me. This I know. That's a good thing. Nick was talking about Nehemiah. Something cool about Nehemiah is this. Nehemiah knew God. He knew God because in the book of Nehemiah, it often talks about when Nehemiah would pray to God. He'd have a trial. He'd have a big problem come up, and he'd ask God for help. He'd even ask God for success. I mean, you only talk to someone when you know them, right? Right. So Nehemiah knew God. And if Nehemiah knew God, then we can know God, right? Say, I can know God. I can know God. Awesome. Nehemiah, you know what also he did? It's almost kind of the very purpose of his whole book is he knew his people. I don't know if you were listening, but Nehemiah, he was a Jew, and his people, people who, his family, their city was destroyed. And this broke his heart. It broke his heart. And so he said, i got to help these people out. These are my people. i got to help them out. I've got resources. I can use them. I love these people. I love my God. I am going to go help them out. He knew his people, and he knew their needs, and so he tried to meet them. So I have a question for you. How can we be like Nehemiah? Nehemiah knew God. How can you know God? How can you know God? By praying, by reading the Bible, by worshiping him, singing to him. How can we know God? Can we talk to him? Would that work? Yeah. How about, can we listen to him? Would that work? Yeah. Okay. So who, so Nehemiah knew the people in his life. Who are the people in your life? Who do you have in your life? Friends. Okay. Your moms. You got moms in your life. Dads. Family. What? Who else? Brothers and sisters. That's right. Who else? Cousins. Neighbors. Grandma and grandpa. Uncles and aunts. We got a lot of people in our life, don't we? Don't we? So, like Nehemiah, he knew his people. These people in your life, you know what they have? They have a need to be loved. They have a need to know that there is hope. They have a need to know that God loves them and that he thinks good thoughts of them. And so we can meet that need. How can we meet that need? By telling them. Yep, talking with them, telling them that God loves them, right? How else can we meet that need? I mean, Nehemiah, he left his city to go to the city where his people were. What, how can you meet the needs of the people in your life? How can you love them? Making cards for them. That's very good. Yes. Going to their birthday. Yes, letting them know they're special. Not forgetting their birthday. Hint, hint. <laughs> What do you think, Preston? 
visiting their house. That's awesome. What else? How can you meet people's needs? How can you let them know you love them? What? Yeah, play with them at recess, especially if they're by themselves, right? Let them know. How about this? Say hi to them by name. That's pretty special, isn't it? Okay, stand up. Let's remember the five things we talked about. Number one. <clears throat> Repeat after me. Jesus knows me. This I love. Number two. Jesus loves me. This I know. Number three. Say number three. Okay, good job. Number three. I can know God. Number four. I can love God. And I can love people. Number five. This is very important. You must always remember to dance. God, I pray that every heart in the room would know how much you know them and how much you love them and that you have a plan for them, God. We want to walk in that plan. We want to walk in the abundant life that only comes in Jesus. And so I pray that our new year would be all about pursuing God and loving you and knowing you like you know us. Father, we are finally free because of Jesus.